0: Hi, I'm Leighton Hewitt, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, welcome to The Tennis Podcast on Women's Semi-Final Day. We now know who is going to be part of Finals Day, because moments ago, Serena Williams defeated Maria Sharapova in straight sets, and Garbina Muguruza, is going to be her opponent because she came through a three-set tussle against Agnieszka Radvanska to reach her first Grand Slam final. My name is David Law, part of the BBC Radio 5 Live commentary team. I'm alongside Catherine Whitaker from Live at Wimbledon and Simon Briggs, the Telegraph tennis correspondent. And we are The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and supported by BNP Powerbar, the bank for a changing world. And Simon... That was pretty regulation stuff, wasn't it, from Serena Williams? Exactly what we would have expected, I think. Yeah, did did Sharapova touch the ball in the final game? I I think there were
1: three or four aces in it, very similar to the way she closed out against Azarenka. Uh, It was amazing, that mental strength that she has when when the finish line is within reach. I, I... we were talking yesterday or the day before about uh, Serena having that advantage on serve over Sharapova, which is a factor in every match they play. But if they're going to play at Wimbledon, the serve is always bigger here. The margin of victory seemed that little bit bigger. Um, it was it was never that
0: close or exciting, I guess. Now I suppose we better talk to Catherine Whitaker quite quickly here because apparently she's got to get off to live at Wimbledon and to do some more broadcasting. But Catherine, you've managed to squeeze us in.
2: Yeah, bigger and better places to be, David. That's how I roll now. Oh,
0: steady, honestly. Goodness me. Anyway, the first match today, Garbini Muguruza, she was fantastic, wasn't she? For a set and a bit, I thought she was going to thrash Radvanska in straight sets.
2: Yeah, it looked very much like she was just going to blast Radvanska off the the court. And I think uh, experience for Radvanska allowed her to hang in there and get that second set. But uh, Magaritha was just better. She was just a better player today. And um, I'm I'm, I'm not pleased that Radvanska lost. I'm generally pleased that she's back and she's made it to a Grand Slam semi-final. And hopefully the woes of the past few months are behind her because I think That variety that she brings is really important for women's tennis. Um, The sort of subtlety to her, I think. Um, brings a lot to the women's game. But I'm also really pleased that Muguruza's in the final. I think she'll give Serena Williams a better run for her money. I love the fact that Muguruza said in her press conference before the Serena Williams-Sharapova match was over, or, or indeed had, had uh, Eve, I think it was still in the first set, she said, I want to play Serena in the final. I was When she was put that question, who would you rather play, I was expecting a, uh, you know, a pre-composed answer of, you know, I don't mind who I play, I'm just pleased to be in the final and I've got to play my game, all of that stuff. And she said, well, when you dream about being a Grand Slam final, you dream about it being against the best and that's Serena and I I want the challenge of playing Serena. And I love that.
0: And also, Simon, she isn't cowed by the thought of playing Serena, is she? Because she's beaten her before. Well, that was her breakthrough win at the French Open last
1: year, the moment of which I guess we didn't know that much about her up until that point. I mean, I don't know what her ranking was then. It was probably in the top 50 just about but uh, it wasn't that outstanding at the time. And then we looked at her as, as somebody who was among this kind of group of, of, of pushy young players. Of course, we had Bouchard in that group last year, Halep. They've both kind of gone backwards. Muguruza actually had a quiet spell the second half of last year and is now pushing on again. So uh, they're all making their, their mark at different times. Uh, maybe one of them needs to show a bit more stickability and uh, sort of really prove that they're... Capable of challenging Maria and Serena, who
0: remain very much the, the two queen pins. She has a demeanour, Muguruza, which is pretty unflappable out there. She doesn't seem to get stressed particularly.
1: Well, I thought she got pretty tight, uh, second and third sets. And I th- actually, I thought the margin of victory was very small because a couple of those uh, points at the end, there was the, the overrule on the penultimate point. When the ball just um, caught the edge of the line by a millimetre or two, Hawkeye ruled it in, um, and there was a sort net cord at another crucial stage in that in that th- the third set. I thought she had uh, just a couple of breaks, and it was by no means a done deal. That it could e- easily have gone either way, but yeah, very happy for her that she got
0: over the line. Thoughts on the final, Catherine?
2: I don't see it as a foregone conclusion. I can't believe I've just used that word. We're going to put that
0: on a t shirt. That's going to be the slogan we we release on our first T-shirt. Foregone conclusion. Good name of the band, actually.
2: (laughs) What I'm saying is it's by no means a foregone conclusion. Of course I expect Serena Williams to win that. And beyond for the Serena Slam, which uh, is a taboo subject around these parts, certainly where Serena is concerned. She just, I mean, she shuts those questions down before they've even come out of the interviewer's mouth, doesn't she? Um, But I do... I was, Mats Verlander was just being asked about this on live at Wimbledon, and he said he expects Margaretha to play pretty close to her best. He said he doesn't see the fact that it's her first final in the occasion, etc., being too big a factor where Margaretha is concerned. So I do expect a good match, and I expect Margaretha to challenge Serena, but I expect Serena to win in the end.
0: Now, we've got the men's semi finals tomorrow. Catherine, before you have to head off, we'd better chat to you about that quickly, have not we? First of all, we now know it is going to be at, uh, well, the first match on court will be Djokovic up against his opponent. Who's he playing? I can't even remember now.
2: Richard Gaskin. Oh, yeah, he
0: beat Vavrinka, that's right. And then it's uh, the, the Andy Murray against Roger Federer match. What, what's happening?
2: Oh, don't make me predict that. Can we start with the first one? Because I feel an awful lot more confident about that one.
0: I don't even know who's in it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I'm already a step ahead of you. I think... I think... Djokovic is. I, I give Gasquet fairly minimal chance in that one. I'm afraid. Um, I think he's done awfully well. Which sounds as that was coming out of my mouth, it sounded really patronising because saying he's done awfully well suggests that he's sort of exceeded his talent in some way. Of course, his talent is such that he should be reaching uh, Grand Slam semi-finals. But the fact the fact is, he's 30 now, and he has developed a bit of a reputation as unfulfilled potential and somebody who uh, doesn't respond well to the big moments. So I'm. Really Really pleased that he's he's uh, defied those expectations of him, but I don't see him having enough physically or mentally to take on the world number one tomorrow. Second one? Oh crikey! Uh, it's it. I mean, I should toss a coin for this, really, because I I am predicting Murray to come through it because I think Federer just has not been tested. Uh, in anything like the way that Murray will tomorrow and I just love the way Murray is playing. I think Murray is completely in the groove of... uh beating serve volleys at the moment and uh, Federer is serve volleying more than ever before. In fact it would be very interesting to see if Federer draws down his tactic of serve, serve volleying um, I'm sure that he and Stefan Edberg are having heated debate about that as we speak. Um, I
0: can't imagine either one of them hmm. being heated at any point. I think that they're just having a, a very cool, calm let's get together and be <laughs> Swiss and Swedish together and, and just calculate exactly how we're going to beat this man from Great Britain.
2: Yeah, let's just let's just be cool together. Yeah, that's their whole mantra, isn't it? But I do th- I do think that will be interesting because Andy Murray is just uh, making mincemeat of of people at the net at the moment by every which way. Um, but uh, long and the short of it is, I am predicting Murray to come through probably in five. How and why? Because I think that uh, the biggest weapon Federer has had this fortnight has been his serve, and I think Murray will deal with that better than anybody has. And as I say, I think um, Federer is having a, has been having a lot of success with aggressive tactics, and I think Andy Murray will just show him something, give him something that will trouble him in that regard. Um, I just love the way Andy Murray is playing at the moment. And uh, if you can't do it this year, when can you do it?
0: Next year? I don't know. Well, Mm. we'll see, won't we? Simon Briggs, you have been looking ahead with great depth as Catherine Whittaker departs the scene to go to speak to Live at Wimbledon. You've been looking in depth, obviously, at this match. This is a huge deal for a national British newspaper, this match, isn't it? Yeah, well, we're doing a preview that I'm writing, and then we have a Greg Wazedski column on the tactics.
1: He's sort of saying that uh, the more exciting the match is, the better it is for Federer, in the sense of uh, diverse. If it's, if it's diverse and, in, in, and it, it's spontaneous and it's improvisational, then that's going to be good for Federer. If Andy can actually make it almost a little bit stereotyped and turn it into a, an ordinary tennis match, then he's going to win. So it's almost like Roger trying to, to bring bring the magic and Andy trying to shut it down. That's the way he sees it.
0: Yeah, I, c- I, I can see where where he stands on that, but if you think back to the, the matches they've played here, they were they were very contrasting matches, weren't they? The the one in 2012, which Murray started brilliantly, in, and he, he was in classic Lendl-guided mode, wasn't he? And he came out thrashing the ball and just knocking holes through the defences of Federer, and then the roof closed. That mm. was a big moment, wasn't it? Obviously, when they faced each other a few weeks later at the Olympics, sun blazing... Gorgeous outdoor conditions. I know Federer was obviously pretty winded after that long match he had against Del Potro, but those conditions seemed to really suit Andy Murray at the time. It's going to be hot and dry tomorrow, by the looks of things.
1: Yeah. Also, the difference maybe in those two matches was uh, there was an influence from the crowd because there was a, a very even split for the Wimbledon final. But once the the People's Monday type. Uh, uh, the demographic of the Olympic final came to play then it was very much more behind andy and that was a, a factor i thought I mean that there are people uh, and pundits and ex players today saying that the crowd could win this for for, for, for either one of them
0: really yeah. and and do you think do you agree with that
1: well i, I it 's definitely possible because look how tightly balanced it looks look how look how close it looks on paper look how likely everyone thinks it will go to five sets because it's a bit hard to see you of them backing down without winning sets tomorrow. So if it is going to go long, if it is going to go three, three and a half hours, which most people are expecting, then those sort of fine, uh, small,
0: but, but sort of accumulating factors could, could end up deciding things? How do you think as a uh, Richard Krychik just walks past and bumps into me deliberately? It's not very nice. It almost knocked mm. me over. Um, Name-dropper, aren't I? Simon Briggs, how do you think that crowd will be split?
1: Yeah, well, that is a very difficult question. Uh, um, There was a very strong partisan feeling in the first week of this tournament, particularly the Heather Watson match was possibly as loud as the Olympic final, I think. Uh, um, It was unbelievable out there. Um, But then if you look at uh, the 0-2 matches they played recently, Rogers had at least as much support as Andy. In fact, the weirdest one of all was after Andy won the US Open final 2012, came back, played his first match on British soil after that and was at least a 40-60 or a 30-70 loser with the crowd at the O2 Arena and he was absolutely furious, I think, because uh, a lot of Swiss people had come over and then there was, there was all the, the British people who backed Federer, you know, because he's, he's a huge star over here. He gets... Um, numbers on our website, as big as Andy ever does, so uh, there, there's no necessity that a British fan at Wimbledon supports Murray over
0: Federer. But overall, Simon, taking everything into account, and their head-to-head is incredibly close, isn't it? 12-11 to Federer, it's it's almost the closest of all the, the rivalries up there, isn't it? For, for a long while, Murray had the advantage in that head-to-head, didn't he? He was quite a way ahead, and the last three now, Federer has won. Which way do you see it going? What What do you think is the most important factor? Because there are so many compelling cases one could make either way. What do you think swings it? Age. I think age swings it. That's why you've got to go with Rod.
1: With, <laughs> I'm quite wrong. Why you've got to go with Andy as a slight favourite, only slight. But I think also take out last year's three matches because Andy was still post-surgical recovery mode. So before though the, the surgery, he seemed to have maybe just taking a little bit of a grip in, in the rivalry and i think we might go back to that the, the 2013 australian open uh, semi-final semi-final where he got taken to five sets he he shouldn't have taken to five sets i think i described that match as a five set thrashing he was really dominant and really just messed up by allowing it to go so long but he was he was really all over roger uh in that match which was um, the only time he's ever beaten him at a grand slam uh, but I, th- I see it going more like that than I do like than I do last year's Australian Open quarterfinal when Andy was really still coming back from the surgery.
0: Yeah, absolutely, they're, they're, and that's the thing, isn't it? If you look at matches they've played, you can you can highlight certain elements of their physicality which were questionable, maybe at a particular time. Both of them right now, I know that age is different between the two of them, but neither one of them could be in a better place right now, could they really, on paper?
1: Yeah, they've definitely been the two players of the tournament, and they've also been the two players of the grass court season, because obviously they won the two big warm-up events at Queen's and at Halle. So these guys have been making the running, and Novak, although it's still the bookmaker's favourite, he's not necessarily inspired anyone with his his form thus far. I mean, that doesn't mean he won't win the title, but... uh, they are both in great nick, and it's, it's, a, it's a clash of, of, of contrasting styles, which is always good to watch. It's going to be riveting, and, but <laughs> I guess if you take Greg's point of view, then we hope it won't be too riveting, because if it's too riveting, it probably means that Roger's
0: winning. <laughs> so we're going to read a Greg Rozetsky chapter and verse on what he thinks will happen in the Telegraph tomorrow. We'll read your thoughts. What else have we got to look forward to in the Telegraph?
1: Well, hopefully a little bit on the doubles match, which is just beginning with uh, Jamie Murray in action. And then there's also the uh, the women's uh, semi-finals reports. Um, I don't know. We, we, I, I tried to get a little bit in about Bernie Eccleston trying to buy Wimbledon. Um, whether or not that's made the paper, I don't know. There was a, a little tidbit that came out of Jan Tyriak this morning being awarded the international prize by the Lawn Tennis Writers Association, giving a long speech in which he mentioned that he sat here in the late 90s, watching Ivan Isevich play with Bernie Eccleston. And Eccleston said to him, we should buy this tournament, you know. <laughs> 600 million, you and me. <laughs> nice idea. Apparently, uh, Eccleston uh, admits now that they never actually bothered putting the offer in. But uh, if they had, I'm not
0: sure the England club was selling. That's a great line. <laughs> Well, it is an absolutely glorious day, isn't it? We're stood here in the sunshine at the moment on the balcony where the press assemble and overlook the crowds that are milling around because it's only just before six o'clock here in the evening and things have finished pretty quickly today because of that straight sets victory for Serena Williams over Maria Sharapova. As Simon said, the doubles is going on at the moment. Jamie Murray's trying to reach the final of the doubles here for the first time. Of course, he made the mixed doubles final eight years ago. And goodness me, could it be a British double of Jamie Murray, in fact, a Murray double of Jamie Murray in the doubles final and Andy Murray in the singles final? We will find out tomorrow and later today, of course. We'll be bringing you our reaction to Andy Murray against Roger Federer. We'll bring you our reaction to the first of the semifinals, which features, of course, Richard Gasquet against Novak Djokovic. Those matches taking place on Friday. But for now, from us on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and supported by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world, we'll say goodnight and we'll speak to you tomorrow.